Welcome to the Kenmore Church Podcast. We are all about filling hearts and fueling mission. We hope this content builds your heart and mind and equips you to reveal Jesus in this season of your life. Well, good morning to you. Great to have your company online. And I pray that if you're just tuning in, you haven't been to Kenmore Church in person yet. We started meeting again today. It's been great just to actually find time and a way for us through the COVID regulations to finally break through again and start our in-person services. But if you haven't been with us yet, please go online to uh, kenmore.church forward slash connect and please submit the form there and, and make contact with us because I'd love to get back to you straight away and perhaps invite you to a cup of coffee if you're willing and spend some time with you talking about your life and how we can do next steps with you. And I'm wondering through this period as we uh, start to phase out now of uh, summertime, this is our last summer service, our last short one at our church. I wonder how uh, 2021 is really squaring away for you. I wonder if this time that you've had over Christmas has given you the opportunity to get some clarity about how you want to approach 2021, what you hope to do, uh, because it's coming at us headlong. And I wonder if there's any deliberateness about the way you're approaching that. I wonder how you see particularly your spiritual life taking shape in 2021. You know, it's often said one of the craziest things we can do in a year like this is make plans about anything. But we can certainly make plans about our walk with God. Nothing in the world need control that. That's something between us and Him. And sometimes the more difficult the circumstances, the more manifest and the more focused that becomes in our life. So how do you see your spiritual life taking shape this year? How did 2020 work out for you? Uh, What did you learn from 2020? Uh, What did you change about your life that came about by the change of the world, the disruption that came at us. And I wonder if you're left with questions about God, questions about life, questions about what you're going to do with the rest of your life. And have you set yourself then, because of all of that, any sort of vision at all about how your spiritual life, your walk with God and family and work will maybe alter this year to bring about a better outcome for yourself? Because as we look forward, what we often want to do is return. We want to go back to uh, a simpler day, A day where we remember life was just not so much easier, but it just seemed clearer. Our walk with God seemed more intimate. And there there was just a simpler way of living out our faith. And we assume that uh, rekindling love for God and passion for God and focus for God will mean that our future looks like our past. And yet our expression of faith needs to keep up with the life that we are growing. Our, Our own life evolves as we mature. Uh, The burdens on our life, the complications of relationships, all those sorts of things uh, come in against us. But often we find that our our faith walk doesn't keep up with the growth, the natural growth of our life. We find ourselves getting busier. Our family gets busier. Our careers only seem to atrophy into complexity. And as we grow, we get more informed even about our Christianity. What seemed so simple back then now becomes less simple, more nuanced, more informed about what we believe. We become refined in what we believe. And there seems to be more that we refuse to accept and less that we accept at face value. And as we grow more mature in, in years, we, we become more habitual. Uh, we find it that we aren't as, as challenged as we used to be uh, to stretch, to grow and to change as we once were. The funny thing about Christian people, all people, but particularly we see it obviously in the Christian scope, is that as we grow, we become less reliant and less outreaching. We become less reliant on God 
and less outreaching to those who don't know him. It's a funny, the statistics have proven this, that as people grow in their church world, something happens in their life, whether it's because uh, we get less and less friends that are outside of the church world or whatever. But And then we form our life in such a way that without noticing, we've built our life in such a way that we aren't as challenged and we aren't as reliant on God. So we aren't reliant and we aren't outreaching. And you would think that spiritual maturity, in its truest sense, would develop those two very things because they're core to our faith. And as we grow in our faith, you would think those two facets of reliance and outreaching would grow. And yet these are at the core. Have a look at what it says in John 20, 19 to 22. The, the literal, the day that Jesus rose, the first priority for him, uh, the first thing that he did when he came out of that grave, he went to the disciples and look at what happened. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So we see that Jesus' resurrection led straight to resuscitation. And by that, I mean the air, the breath of God was restored. That was his first priority. He rose from the grave and he breathed life onto his disciples. And we can see that this is a, this resuscitation aspect of our life, where the God's breath in our life brings us to life, is as significant as redemption. Um, it was facilitated by redemption. It was made possible by it. And redemption was accessed by faith. And so this resuscitated aspect of our life is also made uh, accessed by faith. And yet the resuscitated believer, the believer full of the Spirit, the believer who knows that breath of God that brings about those two fruit we just mentioned of reliance and outreaching, that resuscitated believer is a lot harder to find in church world than the redeemed believer. We'll all grab hold by faith that we are redeemed. But this resuscitation aspect, this, this Spirit-empowered aspect is harder to find. But as we look at Scripture, we find that's not so in, in, in the annals of the history of the early church. And, you know, I'm aware that this is a work in progress, that we really need to be adding this value. And I'm beating this drum relentlessly and will continue to do so because I'm seeing it as perhaps the single biggest issue in the, in the church today is the lack of spirit empowerment by God's people. We need to literally reform ourselves to make more space for God to work in our life. But as we reflect our life against the life we see in Scripture, we can see something about our lives has been unmistakably lost. And so in the absence of... Um, of form where God has formed us and his breath is in us. We revert to function. We replace formation with function. And so faith becomes replaced by faithfulness. And faithfulness replaces fruitfulness. And, that, and faithfulness was supposed to be a fruit of the Holy Spirit. You, you read about it in Scripture. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But if the Holy Spirit in all his power is absent from the daily workings of our life, then we replace that fruit with a work. And we call it faithfulness. And we think this is the acceptable Christian life, just to work our hardest. And we replace that which is fruit by our own work. And to be candid, this is my greatest reservation when we begin to look at the missional aspect. I mean, our church, we built on that statement. We're filling hearts, fueling mission. And so we've got to be about mission. It's core to what we do. But my reservation is that we turn mission into just another faithful work. And there's never anything wrong with being faithful. We should all be faithful. But faithfulness should be the fruit of the work of God in our life, not a replacement for it. And so I'd, I'd hate to see the work that we do for God replace something that which is fundamental in our hearts. Um, I want it to be an overflow of, the, of our hearts. And many pastors grapple with these very issues from, from the aspect of, of 
being worried that there's too much formation and some are worried that there's uh, too much mission and action going on. And a naive response would be, well, let's just stop them. Let's, let's stop mission. Let's stop ministry because we need to heal our hearts first. We can't send broken people into a broken world because it just won't work. And so that would be the naive response. Let's not even talk about mission until we fix your heart. But we know, of course, that our hearts are never fully fixed. They're all work in progress. So that's not really a viable solution. On the other side, we could say, let's stop all formation because God's people are getting so fat and they know so much stuff, but they, they're now so spiritually obese, they're never getting off their seats and getting out into the world. And I've seen this happen. I've seen people literally in their churches say, we're not doing Sunday church anymore. You're out. You're all going out on mission. And, uh, and that never really ends well either because you can't just uh, expect of people without filling their hearts as well. So this is a, a complex thing for us to grapple with. Or perhaps it's not complex. Perhaps it's just simple. Because what we do in church world is we take that which is simple and because we get nuanced, we make it complex. But if we can really look at what the Bible does, the Bible takes that which is very complex and reduces it down so often into that which is simple. So we've gone from simplistic into simple. And so the key to fruitfulness is not um, one thing at the exclusion of the other. Formation and mission don't, aren't polar opposites. It's symbiosis. They actually feed each other. We need to have both going on because we're filling hearts to fuel mission. And mission should compel us to come back because our hearts need to be filled again. I love the way Paul describes it in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27 to 29. One of my favorite depictions of what it looks like to, to partner with God, to, to know he's doing all that is required. If there's going to be any fruit, it's got to come from him. And yet I've got to turn up. I've got to do something as well. And so this partnership of being co-heirs with him. Let's have a look at what it says. Paul says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. See the two terms there, Paul's strenuously contending. He's turning up with all the energy he's got, but he knows he can't do anything on his own strength. Jesus was crystal clear, John 15, 5, if you don't abide in me, you can bear no fruit. Nothing's going to come out of it. And yet Paul here is saying, I'm turning up. I'm doing the stuff. And yet what he's doing is what his strength can do. And what his strength can do is make space for God to do what only God can do. And so he's saying there that God powerfully works in me. And so, and prefaces that in verse 27, where he says, that's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so Paul's turning up, God's turning up. That's the way this whole deal begins to work. And the lesson there is that Paul really did form his uh, early life with God, with Christ, that is, to rely on him. And this is what we need to do as well, to, to form our life, to rely on God. And we're working hard to be a church that does that too, where, where we make spaces. We don't just do programs. We don't just do stuff. We create spaces that requires God to do what only God can do. And if he doesn't do it, then we're not going to fake it. We're not going to try and make it up. We're relying on God to do that. And so this year, we're, we're kicking off pretty soon again on February 7, what we call Encounter Night, so on a Sunday night. So these are very different to a normal church service. They're probably not for everybody. There's no chairs. There's no, no message being preached. It's just stand up. We're just going to worship and invite the presence of God to minister into people's lives. We'll have some prayer ministry teams there as well. And we'll run those monthly on a Sunday night. And uh, so I look forward to seeing people at those. We're also going to run the refresh course this year uh, post-Easter. Refresh is a course about how we really do uh, work through this partnership as, as co-heirs with Christ, where I turn up 
but God does the work. How do we do that really? And how do we really land that in the areas of life that actually really do matter? And so we're committed to that as a church, but it's only as strong so much as you and I commit to living it as our own lifestyle. We can't depend on the church to replace our own choices to partner with Christ. And so we know that our only hope is Christ in us. He is a hope of glory. So I wonder what you long for in that context in 2021. I wonder if you hope that 2021 will be a bit different for you in your spiritual walk than 2020. I hope your longing is that it's a year where you can look back at the end of this year and and look at what God has done. That your family and your friends and your workmates, you've you've seen the joy of them coming to know God. That you've you've grown in your relationship with God as well. And that at the end of this year, we can all echo Psalm 118 where it says, this is the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. This is what I long to see. And we saw it in 2020, even with all the COVID disruption that we had. We saw people healed. I remember one day looking down from the pulpit as communion was being taken and, and seeing someone get healed of a, of a chronic back condition on their way to receive communion. No one was more surprised than they were because they hadn't even had prayer for it yet. Saw numbers of stories like that. Saw people ministered to and burdens lifted as we minister after the service. We've seen lots of stuff happen and continue to do that. Some of my best moments were just seeing people as they first come into the church and sit down as the prayer ministry team has preceded people turning up by just inviting God's presence there. And as people come and sit, they just begin to weep in God's presence and know they've come into God's home again. This is what I long to see again in 2021, and I know we will. So how could this be a year for you of relying on God in this way where you turn up? I know you're used to turning up, but some of us aren't used to seeing God turn up with us because we do things in a different way if that's the outcome we're looking for. So how might you make room for God in your life this year, I wonder? Well, it begins the best way, I think, as a spiritual discipline of daily reading uh, and reflecting in God's word, of inviting God to speak through what he's already said, to, to listen to him and remind yourself how you need to rely not just on your own strength, but to rely on him. I really pray that 2021 is a year where all of us take incredibly seriously a daily time where we set aside time, the best of our time, to be with God, to listen and commune with him. And we need to pray about things like our priorities of life, our priorities of our goal. Uh, Where is our energy going? Where do I want this life of mine to go? What do I want to achieve with it? What do I, how do I want to exercise faith in the area of my finance? Am I, am I relying on God uh, or am I relying on a pay packet? Am I prepared to give of my finance? Am I prepared to give of my time sacrificially? Not just what's left over as a basket goes past, but to say, no, I'm committing to this. I'm going to, I'm going to put it as part of my budget. I'm going to make it a direct deposit out of my bank account into the, into the church or some other agency that you want to give to. Am I relying on God for that? Am I living by faith in those ways? Are you willing to place your soul and your goal into God's hands to lean on him? instead of money or any other thing that gives you comfort at the end of the day, but to lean on him instead? Are you willing to allow him to give you rest for your soul, to just stop all the engines spinning at that red line in your life and to say, no, I'm going to stop. I need to stop this and let God give me rest in my soul. That takes faith to do that. And so I really pray that that's your year. And I would like to close just on Jesus' cry for his people from Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28. And just here, I've used the message translation, which I seldom use, but it just speaks so clearly for me into the heart of what God wants for you and for me as we find a new rhythm for our life. Look at what it says. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take 
a real rest. Walk with me, work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Let me pray for you as we finish up this service. Father, I pray for each one, Lord, that they would know that they would begin with the faith this year of relying on you to meet their deepest needs, that they would watch how you do it, that they would walk with you and work with you. Like Paul, they would turn up, but know that you are turning up as well, that they, that they would structure their life, form their life to need you, to require you to do what only you can do. Father, bless them with the faith to enter your rest and your rhythm this year in Jesus' name. Bless you now. I hope to hear from you soon and see you in person again too. Bye for now.